0: Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF and, of course, the Fast House. Best-looking gear in the pits. If you want to be best dressed every single weekend of the year, all you need to do is dial up the Fast House. You buy two pairs of pants. You buy nine jerseys. You now have 18 sets of gear. That's right. I said 18 sets of gear. Nobody has that much gear in their closet, but you can do so with the Fast House. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt with us on the line a very special guest uh and he's just an absolute well of knowledge when it comes to motocross he happens to also be a diehard super fan goes by the name of troy benjin troy how's it going Going great, B-Rad. How's it going? Hey, not doing too bad, my friend. Anytime when uh, it can go late into the evening hours and I can just talk to moto nerds about uh, complete bench racing questions, which is basically what we're going to jump into uh, in the next little while here, Uh, it puts a smile on my face and I couldn't be happier to basically tackle the 2018 uh, year in review podcast where the two of us are kind of going to unpack all of the happenings, uh, and, and the, just sort of the, the storylines that happened throughout 2010, 10, 18, uh, 2010, we might talk about 2010 too, who knows? Um, but, yeah, right, right. uh, yeah, 2018 and uh, we're going to mostly focus on the outdoors a little bit, but also just sort of like if we end up bleeding into Supercross, um, I'm sure the guys over at Feld would love that too. So, um, and we're going to break it up. We're going to go two fifties, four fifties, and then like an entire podcast of just bullshitting and some weird stuff. So, uh, um, yeah, I know you're excited, and uh, let, let's uh, let's crack this thing off, man. Let's do it. I'm, I've been really looking forward to this all week. Given no idea. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So much looking forward to it that we pretty much both forgot about it during the day. And then about 20 minutes late, I still <laughs> called you up and was like, can we still do this? And you're like, yeah, I guess so. Um, but, Anytime. Anytime. Uh, yeah. Hey, like we're, we're that's what I like about you, Troy. You're a flexible guy. <laughs> um, but uh, if we're talking 250s, especially if we're kind of making some focus on the outdoors, and I guess you could also uh, make an argument that when it comes to 250 Supercross, he was also the starlet of uh, of the 2018 season. Uh, Aaron Plessinger, AP7 is what he'll be known as uh, going forward as long as uh, James Stewart. Uh, we can claw, we can pry the seven out of his cold, dead hands. Um, Aaron Plessinger had a year to remember. How did he win the championship this summer? Well,
1: it was just kind of everything went his way. I mean, what, he went like 7-3 three or 3-7? Three, I don't even know to get an overall win or yep. something like that. He just kept he just, the brakes kept going his way. Um, you know, Jaymar was, he's been inconsistent the past couple of years or, er, and Osborne had a weird, finally had something happen to him. And AP was kind of just there. Like I'll take it if no one else wants it. And just kept getting the good, good rides and consistently won overalls and kind of seemed like too easy to be honest with you.
0: For sure. Like, uh, um, like if, if J-Mart and Osborne were in this class the entire year and Aaron Plessinger still found a way to be faster than the rest of the class, wouldn't have surprised anyone, and he takes third overall in the points. Take those two guys completely out of the equation you turn those podium rides into 1 1 rides and uh, 7 4 for a first overall. And um, like literally doing so throughout the summer, whether it be Glenn Helen, uh, I think he did the same thing at uh, Muddy Creek 1 1, Red Bud, the same idea. No, wait. Oh, mm-hmm. Redbud. Yeah, Red Bud, same idea. Um, and yeah, just at, especially towards the end of the season when uh, the championship really started to get out of hand. Uh, you could really tell that like, he was racing for a championship and a lot of the guy, other guys were not necessarily racing for a championship. And uh, he was able to put a big exclamation point on it with uh, a 1-1 performance on the end of the year. And um, for a short amount of time, uh, he had like one running mate that was kind of swinging from the uh, the distance. And, and we'll get to him right away in Alex Martin. But uh, the guy was just demoralizing with some of his victories. And um, you know, like. His, his competition would have a, a, a bad day, and he would have a bad day, too, but it would still be better than their, his opponent's bad days. Uh, it was pretty impressive to watch the guy throughout the summer and uh, cool to see him get rewarded with a factory contract for 2019. It's really weird, too, because, you know, Ohio and motocross don't go together like peanut butter
1: and jelly. No. So, I mean, he's come from, I mean, football, Hamilton, though. which is... Yeah, football. Football's cool. <laughs> But yeah. it's not as good as Modo. No. And, but, I mean, AP came – like, we have nothing around here. He lives, like, 30 minutes away in Hamilton from me. And it's just weird to have a guy do so well because all of our guys just either do arena cross or just never make it. And he just came out of GNCC's and he's, I, he's unreal. Like, I can't even <laughs> believe how good of a year he had. The people in his corner, though, I did a story on him a few years ago, and they called it, whether it be – Matt Walker, Bobby Reagan, uh, Seth Rarick. i mean, they all called it. They all say we expect him to win championships, and it just came a little too, it came a year too late. They expected it to be earlier, but at least it happened, you know.
0: For sure, and and, uh, and sometimes it takes uh, people a little bit longer to warm up. Uh, uh, like if I look at a guy like Mike Brown, who wins his uh, first professional championship. 11 years into a professional career um like the guy spent a lot of time being a mid-tier 125 in fact i think he raced 250 supercross like for a year or so prior to uh that 01 magical season where he was able to win that championships and had and honestly yep. a, a lot like ap had things go his way that season with langston getting injured and uh pastrana just smashing himself to bits um but uh, Aaron Plessinger, basically, yeah, he, he put a stamp of approval on uh, his ascension to the top. And um, like you kind of alluded to, he didn't really have too many, um, like, really solid uh, combatants throughout the season. Like, uh, if, yeah. like, there were guys that had standout, right, like Shane McElrath wins, a, wins an overall, and, uh, um Ferrandez comes in, and I think he grabbed a couple of overalls in the mix as well. But uh, as far mm-hmm. as a consistent challenger, it wasn't there. And I think that's why Aaron ended up winning by the margin that he did. He had less points than Eli Tomac like, on the whole season, but ended up wrapping the championship up uh, three motos early uh, compared to Eli, who had well over 500 points and had to wait until the last moto of the year to actually get things done.
1: Exactly. And I mean, like you said, it's the challengers were so inconsistent and I mean, he was, it's his year, but honestly, Alex Martin finished second in points. He was the, the veteran, I yeah. guess you should say he's For been sure. in the class the longest, but you know, with, with J. Martin Osborne out with the championship experience, there really wasn't anyone else to stand up and challenge AP with, um, with wins. And I mean, you saw Pro Circuit, the whole Pro Circuit team just, I don't even know.
0: I, mean, oh, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> we'll get to those guys. But uh, yeah, yeah. Like before we get off of AP, uh, in all honesty, if those guys, uh, if, if, if J-Mart and Osborne do not finish uh, the season, uh, if, they, or if they actually do stay healthy, um, uh, rather, if they stay healthy, is this Aaron, uh, Aaron Plessinger's championship, uh, yes or no? See, you're trying to get me like killed around these parts, aren't you? If, if <laughs> hey. I go against this, um,
1: yeah, this is not going to go well for me. But um, if you don't hear from me for a couple days, you know what happened. Totally, uh, diehard Aaron I'll, Plus I'll get thing, somebody else to
0: talk four fifties with me. That's fine.
1: Okay, cool. Well, see, I'm not. I'm not buying that he's going to win the championship no matter what. I think okay. it was really Osborne's to to win. Um, I agree. Gamart, like I said earlier, he he would kind of was inconsistent the past few seasons with injuries and just weird races and DNFs. Um, And like he proved this year, he he didn't even get through half the races. So um, Osborne had a weird kind of weird situation happen where he got hurt and um, he was going for his fourth title in a row. Um, I just think it was Osborne's to win if he wouldn't have gotten hurt.
0: I agree. I think uh, the situation presented itself like this. Osborne already has a uh, a deal for the, for the next year. It's his first 450 season. It's an important year, and he wants to put his best best foot forward. Having secured a very successful Supercross or a 250 career, he's thinking to himself, "All right, like, bummer, I'm not going to get it done this season. Um, go get the shoulder fixed. Focus on 450s, and be ready for Anaheim one. Um, if but if say that same person is um, like." Maybe if if, if it's uh, Forkner who ends up popping his shoulder out uh, and says, "I've got the speed, I can beat Aaron Plessinger, uh, I want to win this championship," I think that's a different decision. I think you do as much therapy as you can on that shoulder, uh, take take the two weeks, uh, take a week break, moving into uh, I think it was High Point, and 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 try and make the best of the summer. Uh, because I'm proof that you can race with a, a shoulder that's not hundred percent there's other guys that have uh, raced with torn labrams in the past and mm-hmm. uh, and maybe say you get that shoulder fixed this this last weekend after the nationals were over and then uh, that gets that that timeline would actually have you uh, on the bike for East Coast supercross you don't miss any time and you' uh, have an opportunity to win a championship so I think it was kind of a perfect storm of both uh, well obviously j had has no 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 ability to come back. And then Osborne mm-hmm. had the option and was basically like, yeah, I'd rather be ready for A1 than try and get the shoulder fixed uh, at the first week in September and, uh, and cross my fingers that the, that the shoulder's feeling okay uh, as of December 1st or whenever the Supercross testing would have started. Yeah, I mean, I understand why, I mean,
1: obviously why Osborne did what he did. I mean, there's, he literally had nothing else to prove in that class. I mean, he's, he was supposed to ride 450s this summer. And yeah. obviously they chose a different path for him. So I think it was honestly just, Yeah, let's get this fixed and come into 2019 and try to get some podiums and maybe even a win.
0: Absolutely. I I do feel that uh with the added pressure of having a such worthy adversary as uh as uh Jack Osborne, that would have put a little bit more pressure on Aaron Plessinger and maybe he doesn't perform as as well. Obviously we'll never know. But Uh, Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said for Aaron Plessinger rolling to the line every single weekend, a la James Stewart 2004, being like, none of these guys can beat me. At least none of them can do it consistently. So as long as I just keep doing me, like I'm going to win this championship. And that's a chip on your shoulder and a feather in your cap that no one can really um, like put a value on. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's anything stronger than that as far as motocross goes when it's such a mental game uh and then like basically through that also seeing your closest competitor in points um on the ground six motos in a row like you'd almost be kind of laughing if you're AP if you're like my next the next closest guy to me can't even keep it on two wheels like what do I have to worry about and i guess that's what uh, that's the time we bring in uh Alex Martin into the conversation exactly i mean you can't take anything away from
1: AP he did no. what... I mean, he he did earn it. I mean, we're not saying that. He definitely earned it. But, you know, I think Alex Martin... Man, who didn't want to see Alex Martin
0: at least get close to win? I wanted to see him go 1-1 this summer. I would have loved at least, like, Millville yeah. 1-1. And I, I, arguably, that might have been his worst race weekend of the year. <laughs> it was.
1: Yeah, you know, it's my backyard. Like, I can't lose here. Like, I would yeah. be so mad. But, it, God,
0: everyone's pulling for that kid. And
1: I think, honestly... I just think he he lost his steam. Like I think he's just he needs to change his program. Yeah, I think he's, he's getting that next year. I think
0: he mentioned that a few times.
1: Yeah, he's he just burnt. There's nothing left.
0: He gave it his all. He can't be
1: mad at what he did. So,
0: for sure, and also I think there's something to be said for like. Uh, um, Performing under a little bit less pressure of a cycle trader Yamaha, or uh, being the, I guess like you'd call him the third or maybe even the fourth guy on the totem pole at uh, at um, at at Star when he was there. Like it was basically a pecking order of his older brother uh, Cooper Webb, which I guess that's like one A, one B. Plessinger would have been like the mm. up and coming guy, and and he would be kind of that fourth uh, fourth string quarterback, um, just sort of like expected like expected to almost be like a like a Colt Nichols or a Mitchell Oldenburg, just so to speak. Like if we get to top ten, sweet. Not expected to win the ra- uh, win the races, but uh, when it comes to then he gets a big contract at KTM, and you got this big light over top of you being like basically like the heat yeah. lamp of you better produce. Uh, it, things uh, become a little bit uh, more difficult uh, on a week-to-week basis for him, and I think that's where one of the things that, uh, on, on top of just completely being, um, like burnt out, that I thought that was very obvious in the late start stages of the year, and then as things started to go badly, it just sort of unraveled for him. It's really unfortunate.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like you know, you start out strong, you can get some good finishes. Like hey, I, you know, I'm in the am in the championship, and you know, I'm I. Never compete at a pro level or anything, so I have no idea. But I can imagine lining up every weekend and just getting beat down when you're trying your hardest and getting into weird situations, whether it be on the on the track with Fortner at Southwick or just anything else. It's gonna mess with your mind too. And if you're not, as the season goes on and the grind goes on, the traveling, I'm sure it just doesn't get any fun, and, and or it it doesn't stay fun, and it it gets uh, mentally draining so I no, think that's
0: for what sure. kind of he fell into yeah and and also like it's uh, there there is an expectation with those uh with having that position is that you've uh like you've got a team manager who's basically looking at you like hey we gave you every opportunity in the book and every resource like let like I want to see you produce and things aren't going your way and and things kind of compound on top of that uh but uh I think at, at like at the end of the day you still have to look back at his body of work and see that over uh, like almost a 11 year span, the guy goes from a three digit, relatively unknown, uh, with a ton of upside, a ton of potential, and then polishing that into a pretty nice career in the 250 class. And uh, I don't think he's even really hit his peak just yet, uh, and that's yet to be seen. And maybe we find that out on a Suzuki that will be all new for 2000. And 19, um, which I, I, I would hope that that be the case. But uh, um, not, not, the, not the summer that uh, Alex Martin was, uh, was looking forward to, but at the same time, still better than uh, uh, anybody that was on a green machine. And I guess that's when we turn the page and, uh, and look at the ugly picture that is mm-hmm. the Pro Serie Kawasaki team, um, which, um, like, we're about the same age. I think I, I'm, I'm 29, I think you're around that same age. Um, and for, for our entire lives, watching the pro circuit team has just been like, it's, it's, it's an all-star cast. It's, it's Mm -hmm. the, the, the Talon Volans of the world. It's the, uh, Nathan Ramseys. It's the Nick Ways, Ricky Carmichael, um, uh, Villapoto Tedesco, all these guys that like absolutely crushed it. Over the years, and this year, and like there's been years where they literally, I think they went one, two, three, four at a national one time, and like there's that like that great one, uh, I think it's from one Vegas where they had two championships and they went one, one through four in the overall with Purcell, Hill, no, no, Purcell, Weimer, uh, Tickle, and Hansen. and like that was like the pinnacle of what you could have as a 250. Uh, Team and this year is the exact opposite of that. Two guys going outdoors, uh, they lose, or I guess three, but then they lose their rookie, who's actually looking very promising. Um, And then, uh, yeah, but like they're they're two basically they're two blue chippers, uh, like just had weirdo moments. And actually, I would argue that both of them kind of have this kind of a uh, weird way about them that both of them kind of have this chip on their shoulder that they're a little bit too cool for school and that works when you're winning but it doesn't when you're in the, when you're in 10th.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, Fortner and Savagy, I, shoot, I was at Ironman and it did not go well for anybody that day but just watching Savaji ride, like, he just looked so miserable out there like, I can just tell like, he did not have a good summer. No. He just, no, I mean, every time he gets on the podium, it looks like he wants to, like, hang himself from it. Like, I don't know what's going on in that camp. He's he's always been a happy-go-lucky guy. Like, even in amateurs, when we'd cover him, he'd be, you know, joking around with everyone. And he doesn't do that anymore. He's down at Camp Carmichael, and it's just all business. And he's got that pro circuit ride that he's always wanted. And yeah. he just simply feels like I should be the next Villapoto or, you know, I should be the next superstar and it's it's not going well for him
0: and I don't know I mean fresh start <laughs> that's I guess, all you can really do uh like it, it kind of is one I guess it's a, a slightly different team but I feel like you're still like that's almost more of a lateral move than it is a uh a, a, a like a like you're you're still on a green bike, and I'm pretty sure you're yeah. still gonna have a pro circuit exhaust. I, I don't know. I've too much changes for him. I, I believe he brought his mechanic with him and everything. And it's not like he's changing uh, the the machine. What's like too much or the like? You know what I mean. All that like or his his. Training regiment, like I understand that it would probably like the goat farm or down downing down at uh, Ricky's is probably an awesome place if you're winning and you're putting all that work mm-hmm. in and it worked and it, like it's it's making sense for you. But if you're not winning, I don't think that's a fun place to be.
1: I don't either. But Brad, don't you know everybody
0: rides a four fifty better than a two fifty? Oh, of course, yeah. Except except for myself, honestly, because i uh, (laughs) I don't think um, I don't think I've ever enjoyed racing a four fifty in my entire life. They, it, I'm the exception to the rule. Uh, Yeah, everyone's a better four fifty guy. I I never have that that like I would argue that that is like especially if you like. Uh, factoring like guys like Mike Brown like Mike Brown was not a good 250 two-stroke guy like or a 450 yeah, guy, or uh, um, Ryan Hughes was never a, a better 450 guy than he was a uh, like 125 slash like 250 F guy like neither they never had as much magic or and like I, I straight up believe that uh, Jeremy Martin in like when you look back at his career afterwards, you'll say, man, that guy should have stayed on two fifties and we'll get to him uh, later. But... <laughs> yeah. but yeah, but yeah, no. I, I
1: don't think like getting back to the, uh, the goat so, farm. I, yeah, I've never been there. Um, we we were supposed to go at one point, but we never went. So I don't know what it actually looks like. except so from some, some videos, but just seeing Ricky and how he, he came up with his mom being his trainer and, it. I don't. I wouldn't want to train there. To be honest with you, I yeah, I think it looks miserable.
0: No, it's but, uh, it, like they she they call her Meanie Genie for a reason. Um, <laughs> it just seems like uh, um, yeah, it would be a very tough place to be if you're not this gnarly, mentally tough individual that can uh, like, if you're one of those guys that like enjoys getting yelled at and like that, like that fires you up and makes you want to work harder. Awesome but that's i think that that character trait is few and far between when it comes to athletes especially within the sport of motocross i don't think you have too many guys that have a really thick skin or just thrive off of that um and uh yeah i, I don't think that's been a positive thing for them and um we've seen it in the past where guys have to make a change and their their results change because of it but um i i'm like i, I i'm not on the same page as the people who i like, i think I had maybe 17 comments on my post about how do you think that Joey Savacu will do in uh, in 2019 on the 450, and I think like 16 of them were very very negative. And if that's kind of a barometer of of how the fans kind of see the guy, which actually, if you th- if you think back to like maybe three or four years ago uh, when he was like ripping it up and like. Chasing after Eli Tomac on a, a a privateer KTM, or I think it was like a Star, yeah. or is a, what was that? J Star. Was it J Star KTM? It was J Star. Oh, J Star KTM with answer gear.
1: Orange Brigade. Dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like yeah. he, but he was like that. That people loved the guy. He had like kind of feel a lot of personality. Uh, I remember he was an LCQ, and he's like battling Tomac for the win, and it was this whole thing, or maybe that was a heat race. But either way. Um, he was like universally very accepted. I think that's what, what, what kind of one of his, his draw of getting that the job or the position at, uh, at PC to begin with is he's a marketable kid and he's fast. Uh, But uh, he's just gotten like, he's sour grapes over the last few years. And uh, I I'll, I can tell you uh, personally, he's very difficult to interview. And maybe if he hears that, I won't have to do that ever again. Cause he won't want to, <laughs> but um, that's neither here nor there. Like I, I, I have to be completely honest. I, um, I've always said, and I love having guys on the show like Aaron Plessinger, who make being a professional motocross racer a fun like, look like a fun job to have. Like, 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 literally make it look like, wow, like that, that guy races professional motocross and makes it look like, like, you'd want to do that. Um, Joey Savacchi makes being a professional motocross racer look like a really shitty job to have, and in my opinion, that's not the case. And if you notice,
1: I'm i've noticed this in the past too the guys who tend to go there i mean maybe two examples joey and dungy yeah they all kind of end up like talking like ricky too on the podium it's kind of weird how oh they yeah like leech it's like onto they, him like it's, they like watch yeah they kind of morphed into him
0: yeah yeah i totally get it yeah like he's that like, uh kind of that rhetoric of like oh like uh second's not good enough and we need to go back and make some changes and find some speed. And, uh, like, uh, we just want to thank all my sponsors, but, uh, we got a lot of work to do sort of thing. And you're just like, Whoa, like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: a little bit of a time warp there. But uh, um, I know, it's like, is
1: that Ricky or what?
0: Yeah, no kidding. Well, <laughs> you, you are a product of your environment, and if you spend that much time there, maybe sure. uh, those things uh, do, do get instilled in you. But uh, the other half of that coin is uh, Austin Forkner, who was, uh, for all intents and purposes, rolling into this season a very promising prospect. He looked like he was on the upswing to be a challenger for this championship. And uh, despite, uh, I think, a, a moto or two, where he he really looked like did he take a, a moto win? Yeah, I think he did at Southwick first moto. Yeah, I think he took. He uh, did, South- yeah. Southwick first He's moto. He's on his way to one one. Yeah, he was on his way to one one, yeah. and then just piles it in. Uh, and that was like, a, if if you want to pinpoint, uh, maybe Alex Martin's lowest point in the season, that would be it. Um, but uh, at the same time, that completely derailed Austin. Like, it was just always seemed to be it's always something like, um. Mm-hmm. and, uh, and... It, when when you have that attitude going into the races or you have kind of like that funk on you you're just almost like you're looking for like hey what's next it's got it's like the anvil has got to fall on me at some point and it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where uh things just end up finding a way to go wrong and that was unfortunate for him but uh yeah just a summer that you just want to put that th- sucker in the rear view mirror i if i'm him like I if I'm Austin Forkner, I'm going out and I'm I'm getting Mitch to build me a KX125 and I'm going on a corner track for like a month and I'm just ripping corners and I'm like I'm like training a bit but nothing crazy and just like completely forgetting that 2018 happened getting my 2019 uh Supercross bike going to uh Reynard's and just like pounding laps until I'm an absolute beast and uh coming out swinging at A1 um, with, a, with a whole new lease on life, because uh, yeah, like nothing about 2018 really went well. Like you could almost forget that earlier in the season he had a, a share of the points lead in Supercross and was looking like uh, could possibly be uh, like a, a championship guy on the East Coast. And like based on how the summer went, you almost would completely forget that that was even in the same calendar. See, I'm going to take the other stance on
1: this and say if i'm him i'm gonna look back on 2018 very fondly and i'm gonna say you know what it was a learning year mm-hmm. at least he made the race it's not a loss. It's less he good. was always up in the mix and just trying to just get a race win at least when it seemed like no one else could get something going he was always trying and if he fell whatever i mean he was at least you could at least tell he was trying and he can learn from this and build off of it and it can't get any worse i mean it can but i mean with his potential, I don't think it's gonna get any worse. I think he's gonna learn, really learn from this, and come back swinging next year and be a. I think he'll win at least one championship next season.
0: For sure, I, I like you can't count that guy out. He's got too much talent. He's got that pedigree. It's for the same reason that we were so patient and we waited. We've been waiting on Adam C and who unfortunately didn't get to race mm-hmm. um, this this outdoor season, but basically uh, ended on the ultimate high note by, uh, with a torn up knee, still took home, uh, the, the last Supercross 250F, uh, or 250 class, uh, main event, and, uh, I, I fully expect him to be, uh, like, a, a, a total threat, so maybe 2019 is a complete flip the script for, uh, for pro circuit who definitely have a few fast guys waiting in the ring. Garrett Marchbanks definitely looks like a kid that can throw around a 250 as better, as good as anybody. And, uh, I'm not too sure who else they'll have on the team, uh, as far as, uh, riders. And I, I kind of had to joke with, uh, one buddy of mine who, uh, uh Kyle, DeFoe, who ended up being the, uh, uh, re- mechanic for Martin Davalos who uh, I think this was this year he was at the fewest amount of races he'd ever been to since starting as a mechanic uh, uh, about a half dozen years ago so uh, this was a rough year for him I don't know if they bring back uh, uh, Martin but uh, it's tough to argue with his speed um, maybe 2019 is a completely different year for PC who knows
1: yeah I feel I have a feeling Davalos is going to be back there um I mean, why not? I mean that marty kid, fresh out of amateurs, he's ready to rip <laughs> I mean yeah. I, I don't know i don't i don't I don't see the need for being in that. I know you're making money, and I'm on that train i don't I just don't care anymore, like he's let me down so much, and as a fan, just like I just want to see you win, and he just can't ever do it, so I'm kind of like, I don't care anymore, man. I just want to get get him get him somewhere else. I don't
0: know. I'm over it. Have him ride a Hooserberg. I don't know.
1: Yeah, there's something. Just you know, go on the go down to the Camp Carmichael and uh <laughs> just get a fresh start, you know. I don't go, know.
0: Maybe go back to MTF. Like just completely go full circle and oh. and start training at uh, MTF again and um uh, Yeah, and I actually have a funny story about uh, Martin Davalos after uh the we 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 hit uh we we get off uh, the podcast it is not it was uh it is, it is not appropriate for all uh, all listeners and of course I'll tease you guys with that one but uh I, I think 2019 will be a better year for pro circuit hell it's gotta be can't get much worse than it was this year um moving on to something that does have a brighter fu- a brighter future as well is uh, a young man named Justin Cooper um That uh, that summer that he just had was one of the like possibly one of the best rookie campaigns for a 250 guy that we've seen in a little while. Like it definitely rivals uh, Austin Forkner's rookie year, and Mm -hmm. uh, um, and and, like honestly, we haven't had too many guys that just come out swinging and kill it outdoors uh, in the in the last little while. Justin Cooper takes a a moto win early in the season. I think that kind of got obviously that kind of got handed to him with Savachi's bike breaking. But uh, either way, like fastest in qualifying, a bunch. He was like obviously through that Yamaha, definitely uh, helped him with some starts. But either way, you still got to be manipulating the controls. Um, Like, where did that summer come from? I just
1: think it's it's kind of going back to he finally has time to ride all year round, and this is the potential. He didn't wear himself out as an amateur, and he's finally like seeing what it's like to be. But it's like to ride all year round. And I just, that bike's good, man. He's, he's got a great riding style for it. And he's he just kind of got the full package. I think we're going to see really great things from him in the future.
0: For sure. I think uh, like we've only just scratched the surface of what that guy is capable of. Uh, certainly uh, getting himself in a situation where uh, he can train full-time and use the tutelage of Gareth Swanapool and the facility at uh, the W, which I've been there. Great facility to do your training at, and uh, also those Yamahas are uh, absolutely the, the the bike to be on. I don't think there's a single rider that in the class that can say uh, can say otherwise they are the bike to be on and uh, um, yeah, it's, um, like I think next year, uh, I'm not sure about indoors because, honestly, we never really got to see a ton of uh, action of his 250 uh, Supercross talents. I hear that he's fast in practice tracks, but uh, we've heard that a, a, a hundred times before about other guys, and that proved to not be the case. I'm a little bit on the fence to see what he can do in Supercross-wise, but once uh, once we go outdoors next year, absolutely uh, a title contender and someone that will most likely be a, a, a weekly feature on your podium coming near you. I think he's gonna slide right into the now. The AP's
1: gone. He's gonna just slide right in, and Ferrandis will be there too. And yeah. just, I mean, whatever Yamaha's doing, like Star Racing Team's doing, it's working. And I mean, they just keep pumping out champions and race winners. And yeah, it's just it's swinging their way, like how it did with Pro Circuit all those years. I mean, it, it's a new era. I think yeah. uh, four championships in like,
0: five years, like bad. that's legit.
1: Yeah, especially outdoors. I mean, come on, that those don't come easy. I no. mean that's the best one to win right there. I mean they, they just continually do it.
0: Oh for sure, like uh, uh, if you want to talk about a, a kind of a reign of dominance 2005 through 2008 pretty m- the only uh, yeah, the only the only bikes you saw on the podium or uh, at the top step were uh, Pro Circuit Kawasaki's, and then if you want to go further back from there, uh, other than the fact that James Stewart only raced about half the season in 2003, um, you don't have a you don't have another uh, manufacturer standing on top of the podium uh, since 2000 with Travis Pastrana. So uh, those Kawasaki's definitely kind of had the early portion of the 2000s on lock. Um, but uh, right now it's Yamaha's turn to uh, to rule the field. But like. And this kind of like segues into our next topic, which is kind of like that struggling youth, uh, especially the the rookies. Um, but if you look at the talent pool of the 250 class, it's kind of ridiculous. Like you've got at least like you've got two if not three guys on six manufacturers that are all completely legit riders and but the reality is is if both if all six teams, have two guys. Somebody's got to get twelfth, and uh, through yep. like the like basically the stockpiling of talent. Like we haven't had uh, a guy uh, other than Cooper Webb. Like literally up until this season, like the the guy who won the championship four years ago was still in the class. Like that's basically unheard of. You don't see that often at all um, in the sport, mm-hmm. or and uh, and just like I feel like other than a guys like Bogle. And uh, and Malcolm Stewart, who are kind of uh, Supercross specialists, we haven't seen too much talent getting forced up ever since kind of that wave of uh, Sealy and uh, Anderson, Tomac move up and go up to that next level. And um, like it's almost it's what it's done is kind of like packed a bunch of talent and and like guys with seniority in that 250 class, and you got these young guys that are like, well, well, what the fuck do I do, like? <laughs> How is, how is a Sean Cantrell, a, a Jordan Bailey, uh, Michael Moseman, or a Cameron McAdoo uh, who are all, within their first two years of competing for championships, supposed to race against guys that have half a dozen seasons as a pro? Like, uh, like honestly, that's not apples to apples. It's not fair, but
1: nothing in life is. But I, I could tell you this much. I mean, it's becoming an issue like you were saying earlier with the guys moving to the 450 class, well, where are these guys going to go? There's no rides. The guys who have on the 450 teams have held those jobs for forever, and there's nowhere to go now. So you have all these 250 guys that either lose their rides and quit or do their own thing for a while, then quit and get a real job, and it's, it's getting worse now. I mean, we're, there's 65 riders making more money than I do right now probably. So, I mean, it's just kind of – I don't get it. I, I don't I don't really understand the amateur scene anymore. It's not what
0: it used to be and it's it's kinda of upsetting when you think about it. No, for sure. And like uh I think that at one point um there was like a steady flow of hot amateur kids becoming uh like top flight um two fifty guys who would then transition into the the four hundred and fifty class and become a become contenders, make some noise, and then by the time the next wave of talent would come through, it was kind of like a um, uh, a, a known thing that eventually, as a four hundred and fifty guy, like you'd kind of don't really overstay your welcome, but you'd uh, you'd no longer be at your peak, and you'd kind of move on, and you'd made your money and, and and move on. But now you have um such a, a like a this like top heavy. 450 class that literally like you count them off I remember st- sitting with a buddy of mine trying to come up with like kind of like a running order of who might finish where at a1 I think it was two or three years ago and we're both looking at each other that like Chad Reed might actually get 15th you're like is that legit <laughs> like is that actually yep, gonna yep. like and, and then like sure as shit that, that actually happens or like it's just like even like when it comes to the 450 class, like if you if if all six manufacturers have two guys, one of the factory guys is straight up getting 12th. Like I don't care how how you slice it, like someone's getting 12th. And then if you include the uh, the KTM uh, the Rocky Mountain KTM team, there's 14 guys. So that means somebody's getting 14th on a factory motorcycle, and I don't care who you are. If you're one of those guys, you're not happy with 14th. Either that or you're getting hurt, one or the other. You're either getting 14th or just, I mean, everyone,
1: like you saw this year, it's a bad year for injuries, so yeah, it's either or.
0: Straight up. And, and yeah, Yeah. there's always an influx of guys that are able to kind of rise above and privateers that kind of prove their mettle a little bit. But, of course, then, like, you get the asterisks on there because, like, oh, depleted field, not everyone was there, blah, 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 which, of course, that rider can't control any of that. It's completely out of their control, but. The reality is that's how people see them, no different than uh, it wasn't until um, Mitchell Harrison backed up his third uh, at uh, Unadilla with a a strong finish at uh, Bud's Creek that everyone's like, oh yeah, that kid's got some speed because that, that mud race gets completely discounted as, oh, it's a mud race, who knows um so it's it's there's a million things in the sport that can kind of uh like work a certain way or work another way but uh i think honestly the the biggest kind of issue is the fact that there's not as much money to make in the sport uh especially at the at the top even at the highest level uh and so what that's doing is it's basically this log jam of guys at the top of the sport or at the in the 450 class that like that all those jobs are spoken for so like as a 250 guy you're like, "Oh, well, I'm not going up there. I can't make any money." And then so you, like the youngest guys, they come in and they're like, "Well, I can't compete with these 250 guys." So there's basically this barrier at the bottom uh of the of the pro level that um is just not allowing these these younger riders to come in and actually have success because and what happens is these teams they have a guy like a Sean Cantrell, who is, for all intents and purposes, a very talented rider, and in the right circumstances, Absolutely. could flourish to become a contender for a championship. Uh, but in his current uh, racing standing, typically being in around 15th place, if you're Tyler Keith, you're coming back to the pits being like, hey, Sean, what the actual fuck? And Sean's like, well, look who's ahead of me. These guys are legit. Like, Like... You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 a tough so this, position to be yeah. in.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's his second year. I mean, we should have seen a, maybe a little more yeah. from him, from Cantrell, so to speak. But, I mean, there's other guys. I mean, everyone's pretty much over underwhelming. Like, there's really not a talent out there, I mean, as far as Justin Cooper. But, like, in their first or second years, it's really showing me anything. And so these guys like Cantrell... Bailey, Moseman, McAdoo, they are all interchangeable. I hate to say that, but there's going to be guys that come and go in the sport. And I mean, remember, you look at guys like Josh Ozzy and Mark Worth, and yeah. um, Let's see—I can get on a whole. There is a.
0: There is. I mean, they've
1: lost their lost their rides and bingo—we're out of sport now. And
0: Alex Fry, remember him? Yeah. Oh yeah, Alex Fry, (laughs) uh, Zach Bell. Chase Bell for that matter at one point I'm sure everyone was earmarking those guys for factory rides. Um yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, there's 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 a ton of guys that uh like they just can't quite uh make that next level. And yeah, like you said, um I think maybe um like uh factory connection, Geico, like they they look at Cameron McAdoo, they're like, Oh, like they're just they're Foaming at the mouth trying to get this guy on the team, and maybe that was a little bit too much too early. Uh, he's a little bit unpolished, and like, yeah. And then from there, he's like, Oh, I'm on this team, I got to produce, twist the throttle, and all of a sudden, he's on the ground. I don't think Cameron McAdoo's been healthy in two years. He hasn't, and I,
1: I think, uh, I mean, obviously, that's going to hold him back, but I mean, think about it. He was at Moto Concepts and came in as a rookie and probably didn't have any pressure to perform at all. And onto that awning, and he was doing better than probably anybody expected him to do. So, of course, if you're a guy, you're going to be like, hey, we got some money, to, maybe a little money to throw around, we got an extra bike, what's the worst we could do, so we'll just sign him. But I think they signed him for a year, I think that was a little, a little too much on that end. I I mean, I, there's probably a couple other guys who maybe could have got that ride over him, mm-hmm. but I don't know, it's not me to say, but obviously it didn't work out well for either one of them, so... You know, yeah. Try again, I guess. Hunter Lawrence is coming next year, so
0: yes, that is true. We're all waiting in anticipation of that. Um, but when it comes to say these four guys that I kinda like brought like that like they were basically every weekend, uh, with the exception of a couple weekends with Michael Moseman catching fire at the end of the season, were outside your top ten, twelve region. Uh Sean Cantrell, Jordan Bailey, uh Michael Moseman, and Cameron McAdoo. What do those four guys need to do in twenty nineteen? to assure that 2020 they're on factory equipment. Because as far as I know, uh, Cantrell has another year, so does Bailey, and I think Mosman does as well. Cameron McIndoo might be jobless, but I still think that he ends up finding work on, on a Cycle Trader Rock River, or maybe he does, does have another season on uh, Geico, but I doubt it. Um, like, I think there is still a place for him that he still ends up on good good equipment, but the reality is, what do they need to do next year to um to to secure good support or or will they be able to do i mean number one stay healthy absolutely
1: (laughs) that's the number one goal right there i i honestly think if if any of these guys start up front we're gonna actually see something like get a start i mean this just comes down to the basics honestly then they gotta get confidence i think that a lot of these guys just go in there and they they see the grind of the the Supercross and Nationals—they're traveling every weekend that they're not really used to, and they just—they start kind of like the um, Alex Martin effect. They just start losing that spunk, that early season spunk that they might have had, and they just need to focus on the basics. Don't make this as complicated. No, don't, don't make this more complicated than it needs to be. Um, yeah, you're getting paid to race and make a lot of money, and you're living your dream, but you need to just focus on you and do each race just focus lap to lap hit your lines calm down you know it's just dirt bikes like i know this is your life but there's more to life than racing and you got to be happy and for sure uh, that's my that's my piece on i think that a lot of these guys just overthink this stuff
0: yeah, I think if you take a page out of Aaron Plessinger's book and uh, approach things with a "give it my best shot," and if my best shot's not good enough, I got to be happy with that because I know that I gave it my absolute best. Um, and, and I think that there's something to be said for that. I think that that's the a, an approach that's a little bit underrated. Um, and if I was to say one guy has a serious chance of uh, of, of securing himself a good ride or a good standing for 2019 it would actually be a guy like sean cantrell who um like outdoors is probably I something he needs to work on the most but if i don't know if you remember but in east coast supercross other than, like uh, in, until he got uh a small injury there uh you were seeing him uh at the front of the pack almost every weekend except for a couple of races so i, I think he's got some potential there
1: yeah i don't know i was uh four guys we're talking about here I mean Cantrell obviously has the most potential that I've seen even last year towards the end of the season the outdoors he was he kind of finally got to run up front and show what he was made of and Supercross was good for him and you know kind of got lost in the pack this summer but he had some standout rides i mean, they were standout for me anyway like I I noticed him when I didn't really notice the other guys so he obviously has the most upside and I think next year he can, if he can put it up front and maybe get on a a third or here and there, I'd say it's a success and he'll
0: be able to stay on the team for 2020 and beyond. Fair enough. Well, so let's kind of uh, wrap this thing up with a uh, kind of like an all encompassing, our thoughts on the 250 class as a whole. Uh, I want you to tell me if, you actually find the 250 class to be an entertaining class, something that um, you you look for, You like you kind of almost see it as like a 1A and 1B to the, uh, uh, the 450 class. What would you do to improve that class? And I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's going to win 2019 outdoor title? All
1: right. We'll start. I'm going to save my winner for the last. So I'm going to start with I think is the most entertaining class there is. I love the two fifty class. There's nothing better. I I look forward to watching the two fifty class more than I do four fifty class. Four fifty class seems to be like I kinda know what's gonna happen. There's gonna be Marvin Eli. Like
0: Yeah. Well maybe by Barsha the time those guys get to that class now. they are who they are. Unfortunately, there's no one that's gonna yeah. be all of a sudden like a tenth place guy and then next year battling for wins. That doesn't happen.
1: Exactly. Two fifty class, you never know who's gonna get a good start. You, you know, at the end of the year here, the Geico boys ran up front. That was cool. Yeah. I love seeing RJ get the win, and they just got that confidence and kept moving on, and it was cool to watch. So, I mean, every time the gate drops in 250 class, you just never know who's going to get a good start and run up front. And I love that, as much as I complain about the influx of talent, I love that. I love that all these teams have young guys that are hungry and want to prove themselves
0: because there's
1: something like what half the field factory guys so
0: yeah outdoors it is yeah literally like mm -hmm. it it looks bad but um like dakota alex routinely this last week or left this last year is going like 1919 on a factory motorcycle (laughs) dakota's good i love dakota he he is is. just that's a bad result i
1: I, yeah but if you look at the field i mean oh yeah no like you literally look at it
0: like who like you look at, like, like if you want to single out Dakota Alex, like, great, like, great rider. But then when you look at the guys ahead of him, you're like, yeah, those guys are better than him for the most part, consistently.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Dakota's had his problems with injuries, too. And you can really show what he was made of. But, it, you know, it's just, I, I don't really want to change it as much as I keep complaining about the fact that there's too many guys that. You know the factory teams are putting their faith in the young guys, but that's what the class is for. Yep. I don't want to see. I don't want to see as much as I love to see Mark do good. I kind of want to see him move up. I want to see Osborne move up. I'm kind of over these old guys in the class. Like if you have a kid, you shouldn't be in a 250 class. Like I'm. So,
0: <laughs> that's all I
1: see. <laughs> like at least don't bring them on the podium. You know. It's yeah. This weird, but. Yeah, I don't know. I I would. Uh, I don't think I'd change anything really. I would probably keep it how it is
0: because it's, it's really fun to watch. I look forward to watching 250 class. Absolutely. The only thing that I would actually uh, be a fan of, and I don't know if this is something that uh, would even like, because I like the qualifying in Supercross. Some people don't. I do. Uh, I like that they don't have uh, the the semi-races for 250s. For, uh, um, so I don't think that's necessary. I think it would be cool that it, in Supercross only – uh, that they do um, two main events for Supercross in 250s. Show those guys battling like the whole the whole field more often. Uh, I think that would be um, just a plus to that uh, um, that 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 um, that class because like yeah, just it it just seems like there's there's enough talent in that class. Uh, with, like the, the the talents already split coast by coast. So when it comes to a heat race of twenty guys in both, uh, I feel like um, there's really only what, uh, like five or six really really good, uh, like the the heat races like they're they're really kind of like they're really top heavy as far as their talent goes. Uh, so that kind of mm-hmm. gives you like gives the fans kind of a weird sense of who's what. Like you see like a. Um, say like a Ryan Brees, not to like, like I love you, I love you, Ryan. But like you see Ryan Brees get like eighth uh, or seventh in a LC or in a heat race. And you're like, Oh yeah, that Ryan Brees guy is like, like, like let's see what he can do in the main. And then like you see him rolling around out there in 19th and you're like, Oh, okay, never mind, You know what I mean? It's, it's kind yeah. of a, it's, it's a, it's a weird deal. But uh, I think, I think that would be yeah, the one, is. one cool thing. I, I'd i like to see two main events and have it scored differently uh, than, um, and just a regular thing, just just for Supercrossing, that'd be cool.
1: What I mean, what about, this would help the, the young guys? I mean, everyone's kind of talked about like a 125 class for outdoors, so like factory supported guys, like have a Geico 125, you know, get Hondas and make 125s again. Oh for, oh, for sure. Have a 125 supported guy. You know, I, I just think like it's that.
0: hilarious. On that topic, I think it's hilarious that over the last 30 years, we've gone... From having uh, like open bikes like 500s go extinct only to end up building 450s that are so powerful they basically like dwarf a 500 as far as horsepower and rideability, and then we've like dropped the 125 only to want to bring it back because we love that thing so much. Um, we are slaves to our uh, our history and how, and and the things we love, and, uh, I, for one, would honestly, maybe not a, a 125 class, but, like, a, um, like, a a 250F class, where it's, like, it's strictly, strictly amateurs, and you have, like, a, a a somewhat of a, like, a, almost like a, the, they have that, like, the limited role, a limited class at Loretta's, basically the same idea, uh, they can do suspension for Supercross, and, uh, um, like very, very manageable or like very, like kind of remedial engine mods. because so, like a 250F stock, like it might not have unbelievable power, but it doesn't have to be an absolute time bomb, uh, like the uh, like a race bike is for supercross. Those things get need, need to get rebuilt every hour. Uh, I think that would be something cool. Uh, I for one love and like maybe this, I, maybe I'm the only one on this island, but watching super minis jump a supercross triple is fucking cool. So if I could get, um, if I can get super minis jumping supercross triples more often, yeah, maybe that uh, that turns into a few more ambulance rides. But to me, that's really cool. Yeah, I agree. 250
1: F class or whatever, just just have something and make it a yeah. championship, so these guys can,
0: yeah. you know,
1: have team support. Like you know, like the guys that are coming in, like um, Carson Mumford, all them guys mm-hmm. on the next on the list. Just have a. Have them run the series and have them travel for a year. Let them get adapted to it and before they get thrown into the deep end for a year and then not get supported if they don't get the
0: results that they're supposed to get totally agree and so uh that being said that uh we've talked about how we can improve the 250 class if at all because like let's let's be honest motocross is awesome the way it is we always want to make it a little bit better but we love it the way it is um who is going to be your 2019 outdoor champion blake that man Oh, we're going four fifties? No, I'm kidding. I was just uh, yeah, who's gonna be your two fifty <laughs> outdoor champion? I I was joking that like Blake drops down by some weird like Steve Lamson gonna race. And some, yeah.
1: That would be cool. They should do that again. I don't know why they
0: stopped.
1: That was cool when this guy said that. But um man, it's tough. I I'm really on on the Justin Cooper bandwagon. Although it's gonna be someone on a Yamaha.
0: Someone on a Yamaha. Someone on a Ferrandis. Someone on Star Bike.
1: Yeah, I think, well, either Fernandez or Cooper, they're going to be up in the mix every week. And I mean, if eh, I don't know Fortner throwing in there, we'll would, see.
0: But would that be the first time that a one twenty five class was won by a non American since? Holy crap! Oh, since Grant Grant Langston. My- Yep, three. That would that that like that goes back quite a while. And like and if you don't have him like you don't include him, then you have to go all the way back to maybe JMB in I don't even know what year. Or did he even win that championship? I don't even know if he has he doesn't have a one twenty five championship. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. Ooh. That was that was Kodrowski. So wow, that's that's actually a cool stat that literally like 125 class has been ruled by Americans in the states for a long time, even though we've had multiple European uh, championship champions in in Supercross and outdoors over the last little while. And it wouldn't have been that long if Porcel wouldn't have had two back to back years, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously, yeah, like those. The, both, a lot of people forget about those two seasons, like the uh, Trey Canard winning and the also uh, Ryan Dungey winning, like uh, if not for mm-hmm. uh, a, a mechanical malfunction, and I think it was Southwick, and uh, a broken a wrist uh, at, I think that was Elsinore. Um, it was, it was the last round. Yeah, uh, that would be uh, two championships that uh, the French would have, but uh, yeah, interesting to look at that. that uh, uh, not a lot of... Uh, um, international winners for the championship. Grant is in a, a a a a small group, but uh Troy, this has been awesome. I really enjoy going back and forth with you. Uh, I think we got some cool tidbits from from back in the year, and we did talk about 2010 with uh Dungy winning that championship. So we did, we did leave get it in, it in there. there. Uh, or actually, yeah. that was '09. So uh, trade won the uh, in '10. So we did get that in yeah. there. Um. And uh, I think we're going to have to uh, uh, make the 451 happen uh, sooner than later. But uh, this has been really cool, man. I really appreciate you being a part of the uh, big MX media sphere. And uh, I think this is going to be have to become a more regular thing.
1: I agree. I had a lot of fun doing this. It's
0: You know, it's, it's been a long time coming, man. We've been trying to make this happen for
1: a little bit. So I'm glad yeah. to finally get on here and talk some Moto. It's been a while. I don't have anyone to talk Moto with around here. so
0: Fair enough. Fair Good. enough. Hey, well, hey. Uh, if if you want to dial me up, I'll always answer that phone call. We've got each other's information now. And uh, we've we got some, uh, some things laid out to tackle the 450s. And then uh, I think we're going to just basically throw down for like an hour of complete weirdo bench racing, which we're both very much uh, comfortable with uh, and capable of. Uh, Troy, it's always a pleasure to uh, to have you on the show, especially because this was the one and only time we've had you on so far. So why did I say that? It's kind of weird. But uh, either way, really appreciate the time. We're going to have to do this again sometime. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll give you the floor for a, a kind of like a final statement or anything you want to plug or anything you want to uh, leave us with here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF and the Fast House.
1: Want to say thanks, to everybody, for listening and have my back through the years. Uh, I'm not really around the moto industry as much anymore. I just, I kind of took a step back from it about a year ago, and just to start a family, and because I didn't have much time to do it anymore. So I do miss it every day. and Oh, thanks, man. i Appreciate it. I look forward to it. We got 63 days to go. Ah. got the little man on. Got the little man on the way. Yes. So,
0: Motocross gear yeah. is already purchased. I'm sure you're already looking at <laughs> PW 50s uh they only they, they yeah. don't get any cheaper so just look at it now why not yeah
1: why not we got the strider bike on order i think um strong
0: move baby showers next week
1: i've been painting my whole entire house it's uh, it's dad life for me so nice i like it that's what i've been doing man
0: i like so. it sweet Sounds man well uh yeah okay. like, that's uh um we wish you all the best with that maybe have to uh uh, maybe put together a, a baby-style care care package together from Dirt Bikes for President or something like that because you will be needing it. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I really appreciate the time, my friend. Let's do this again soon. Don't hang up just yet. For, for podcast's sake, we'll cut it off right there.
1: Sounds good.